Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Lost in Possession podcast. It's a podcast about three football loving lads who go around and talk about football. What more do you want? So as we begin, I will introduce myself and introduce my two fine friends on the screen here. So I am Reese. Um, I am an Arsenal fan, but I'm also a football fan in general. So if I'm not at the Emirates one week, I will be down in the doldrums of Tin Shed Grounds another. Um, so here's the platform for you guys. Uh, who wants to take the first reign and introduce themselves? Yeah, go on then. Um, so I'm Jamie. Um, I'm a Man City fan. Yes, I've lived in London all my life, but I am still a Man City fan and I've been season ticket holder for 19 years now. Been at Main Road, now at the Etihad. I've seen us been relegated. I've seen us win the, win the league. I've seen a fair bit, I think. Uh, yeah, over to me. So I'm Jordan. Um, I'm a lifelong Chelsea fan, as you can see, repping the uh, Chelsea yellow today. Um, again, lifelong fan, season ticket holder for, for 21 years. My first game was at six. Um, been quite fortunate over the last 20-odd years. We've had a lot of success. Um, obviously, that could be coming to an end, as we'll get to later in the podcast. Um, and also a former football referee. Um, I'll get the dig in early, but of course, um, a lot better than some of the Premier League referees we, we see today. Um, I think so. Moving moving swiftly on, into the debate, um, obviously the point of this podcast is we, we absolutely love football and we could spend hours each day discussing the various topics of debates. And that is exactly where we begin with, with the Premier League title race. As we all know, hot, hotting up after City's, you know, nil-nil yesterday at Palace. So I think a good starting point will be, Jamie, kick us off. How are you feeling about Man City's chances in this year Premier League title race? Like I said at the start of the season to you, and you still didn't believe me, we're still going to win the league. <laughs> and the reason for that is I just think we're a better overall team than everyone in the league. Now, form-wise, you have to look at Liverpool, but it all comes down to that one game at the Etihad, City versus Liverpool. With the nil-nil last night, we were... We should have won. We had the better opportunities. We didn't, I wouldn't say Palace played badly. They played really well. But we had the chances to win that game. So as I said to you two last night, I'm not nervous because it still means we are ahead of Liverpool, even with their game in hand, which is against Arsenal in midweek. Even if they go and win that, which I predict they will, it still comes down to just one fixture. And in the league we've had quite a good record of against them at the Etihad. Can I see them winning it? Liverpool? Yes, but I still have got to back my team. I think I agree with that. I think it's a big ask and it does seem that as is often the, the way we are leading into just one big blockbuster, potentially league defining match at the Etihad, which definitely gives you the advantage. Um, I mean, Liverpool... It's in, my, it's in my nature as a Chelsea fan to, to, to potentially despise Liverpool. But I've got to say, they have been, you know, really, really impressive. You know, the run of games they've put together, there was, a, I think it was something ridiculous where this season they'd scored two plus goals in about 15 games in a row at one point. And regardless of their, their, their kind of lack of squad depth or perceived lack of squad depth, they just keep delivering. 
Um, so I think it's going to go down to the wire. And as you said, I think Etihad, that big game could be potentially one of the, the biggest of all time. Um, Reese, I, I know you share a similar view on that. Uh, yeah, I'm sort of in the middle here. Um, I I was with Jamie. I believe City would win the league at the start of the season. Um, and I believe that was... I mean, I'd say that would still be the case, but I don't see them winning the Champions League as well. I think it's going to be one or the other there. Um, but I think, yeah, I think everyone had Liverpool written off at the start of the season. I believe I had them finish fourth originally. No real additions in the summer. No real, I want to say, strength in depth, but you looked at who... Who, if they was to lose Salah and Mane like they did for Afcon, um, who would they replace them with? And they've actually done that really well. They're scoring goals. They're winning the game they should be winning, um, and I think they'll win on Wednesday as well. I think I think the momentum's with them, but I don't think City will be too bothered about the draw at Palace. I think a draw is still a draw, and I think City weren't too surprised with how Palace were going to play. Um, and I think that they would have come in there actually happy to take the draw. And I think it comes down to the Etihad and I think that'll be, could be winner takes all, but I think, I think City have enough to still push themselves over the line. I think exactly. as well, yeah. I was just going to say on, on that point, the way City were playing yesterday, Jamie, like that, you know, yes, you didn't win, but you were relentless at times. And as long as you're playing well, it's less of an issue. If you did, you know, if you put in a weak performance and you get outplayed, dominated, I think that's more of a factor. But City yesterday, yeah, it felt like, you know, if not when, uh, yeah, you know, or the other way around, when, when not if. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's going to go down to the wire. And 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 just on that point, Reese, I think we've got to give a little shout out to Palace. I mean, the, the job Vieira's done, Arsenal that's legend, maybe a City legend, a, a push. Not doing you any favours in the title race. Um, but yeah, I think Palace have done a good job. Um, and a lot of exciting young talent, you know, Gallagher, um, Elise, really, really exciting times for Palace. Um in, in, in terms of is there any hurdles? Obviously, we looking at the fixtures for, for City and Liverpool, any potential hurdles or red flags you, you can see coming? I do feel like the Arsenal game tomorrow is massive. If it was at Liverpool, I'd be like, oh, it's going to be about 4 0. Yeah. Because it's at the Emirates, I do feel like there's a bigger chance for a slip up. Um, Liverpool do have quite, probably have the harder run of fixtures compared to the City. They've got to play United at home, Spurs at home. They've got, they've got Everton at home. I know Everton haven't been great, but it's a derby. Yeah. That, well, Everton don't win at Anfield, but a draw could still be something they could miraculously get with another City legend just to wind you up, Jordan, Frank <laughs> Lampard, doing us a favour. Having none of that. <laughs> I was, but what I wanted to say about the Etihad fixture, a draw is good enough for City. That's what I think makes it harder for Liverpool because they've got to come to City and they have to win. A draw does nothing for them. They're still behind yeah. us. But could you ever see City... I, I just... I can't see a Pep Guardiola side ever sitting back and going, a draw is good enough. So I no, think that's we'll true, but that. maybe not a big factor. You know, Liverpool will go to win the game. City, I, I believe, will, will also go to win the game. There won't be any... Maybe a bit of late on 
potential time wasting, you know, if you're one nil up, but I don't yeah, see, yeah, like I just can't see Pep playing for a draw. No, he, he'll never play for a draw. I don't, I, he, yeah, that's something he'll never do, but there's sort of still game management he'll bring into that. Yeah. If it's, if it is say, let's say nil, nil, 89th minute, he's not going to th- throw on three strikers and then leave us defensively exposed. He's more likely to put on Fernandinho in the middle just to go, okay, a draw is now good enough. But the mindset from the start won't be a draw ever. Yeah. It just isn't, it isn't in his way. And, and on, on, on that game, <laughs> on obviously on the game this week, Arsenal-Liverpool, um, I think with Arsenal's form, you're right. It, you know, Normally, you'd look at that fixture and go, you know, 3-0 Liverpool win. But I think the way Arsenal have been playing, arguably in the form of their lives for the last probably few years, potentially in the league, they yeah. just keep winning. Um, and it does seem at the minute that, that on their current form, you know, hopefully it's not the Arsenal of old where they just collapse in the big games, but they could really give Liverpool a lot of issues uh, later in the week. And and and, and Reese, I guess this, this moves us nicely on to Arsenal in general. Um, I mean, I've been, you know, I, I've heard it a lot this week and you tend to hear it when Arsenal are on a good run of form. Socials are, are blowing up. Fans get potentially overhyped. Um, I know a few boys in my office get a little bit overexcited with, you know, beating the likes of Burnley and uh, Watford, uh, relegation candidates. How, how do you view Arsenal's top four chances? Because it, it's looking pretty rosy at the minute. Not going to happen. Not okay. That it's not going to happen. Arsenal are not going to get the top four from an Arsenal fan in the current position. Can we just clarify that? Yep. Currently, three games in hand and a point. I mean, here of United at the moment. That's bold. I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but elaborate. (laughs) Tell us why. So please. Absolutely. First things first. Those three games in hand: Liverpool at home, Chelsea away, Spurs away. The record at all three of them, against all three is not that good. Um, no. If you look at our results against the teams in the top six, other than beating a very, very poor Spurs side on that day, I believe they've actually lost them all. They lost away to United. They've lost to City twice. They've lost to Chelsea at home. Granted, a couple of those games are very early on in the season, but it's still quite testing of that. Arsenal have won the games that they had to win, which is an improvement because how many times... Would they lose to the Watfords away, you know, to a last-minute goal, or they would start of the season Brentford? Exactly, yeah, prime example. They would lose those games, you know, a few years ago, and I think that they've improved in that aspect. But I, I look at the squad and I think the fix the fixture running is not nice. Other than those teams I've just said, they've still got Villa away on Saturday. They've still got to play a couple of the relegation of teams um, when they're fighting for their lives for example Everton Leeds at home uh, Newcastle away I think the fixtures are way too hard for them for a club I don't think there are any players in that starting 11 that are actually over 30 I think Lacazette's yeah. probably the only one Partey yeah. um, so I don't really see any experience to drive them through that this isn't just being negative how many times do you see a team of just 20-somethings, you know, win a league. I mean, there's, a fa- there's the famous quote from, well, Absolutely. we know who, but, you know, you don't win trophies with kids, I believe is the exact word for word. 
which is and true because I believe that United team did have a lot of experience in it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So with regards to the manager, obviously that's always a factor in, in a young squad. And, and my kind of view in the past has been, what can you expect from Arteta? It's his first job. You know, that's a lot of pressure to have a young squad, you know, admittedly out of Europe. So maybe a little bit of a fixture pressure, sorry, fixture pressure is, is alleviated. But what's your, what's your take on Arteta? Is he the man for the job? Um, yeah, I believe so. Like, I think if, if you looked at me earlier in the season, um, when they lost that game away to Everton, that was a real, real low point. I didn't get how Everton, who were very, very shocking at the time, we went there and just couldn't do it. I know, I know Damari's great. Gray's last minute winner was was unstoppable. But to play that poorly, it was very much, you know, where's the improvement in this team? But I looked at the running lot towards the end of last season, did very well, performed very well. Um, and he did win an FA Cup. Whether people like to admit that or not, that was very convincing performance as well. So he's got it in his locker, and I think he's learned from some very good managers and influences. And I think his man management has been superb. And I think yeah. in an era of football where everyone chops and changes managers at the drop of a hat, I think by having this vision and this project in place with him at the helm is a good sign. It's convincing. It's clear that there's faith in him. And I think that that runs down the rest of the pitch. The players start to believe in him. You know, the players like him. And he's getting rid of the players that perhaps are upsetting the apple cart a little bit. So I think he's good. I think I think he's excellent manager and I don't think the job's too big for him. I think I think everyone's putting pressure on him, even if he does finish fourth, that's too much pressure. Any improvement on last season is improvement. And it's where he goes from there. You know, if we sit here this time next year and we're seventh, then you could argue that there hasn't been an improvement. But I think Yeah, I, I do feel like having no Europe has been a big factor. It's something that you've seen other teams do before. It's sort of like in Chelsea, what they won the they won the Champions League, but they finished tenth. Or it was one of the seasons. I think it was yeah, no, sixth or so the last the, the first. You time. had no Euro, no European football, and then you could just then you just focus on the league. Yeah, and you're just like, oh, what? We got a week's rest between each game. Win, win, win. And I, was that, I think it might have been like Conte's first season or something along them lines. I can't remember which season it was, but you had no European football. So you're just winning games and didn't yeah. have to worry about the midweek game. And I think Arteta has benefited greatly through that. But then you've also got to look at the other teams in the top four race. What you're just saying about Arteta, he's got board backing, people trust him, he's building it up. You've got the opposite contrast in United. Now, I cannot say with a bigger smile on my face how great it is to watch them go down the pan. It's brilliant. The noisy neighbours. <laughs> yeah, they're now the noisy neighbours. We're, the we're the ones on top. But with them, you just see such lack of... This season, there's no vision for it. It's The whole team looks disjointed. And then you've got a manager there who hasn't really ever done anything managerial-wise. His better better work has come from behind the scenes. Yeah. Why is, why is he manager of Man United? I just won't know. There might be people who disagree. Short-term solution. Yeah. It's a short-term solution, but then I'm sure they could have found someone else. If everyone knows it's short-term, it's going to be hard to... Yeah. Yeah. Why, why are you going to work for a manager who's going to leave in, in a few months? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, because even like, if you pretend to have him, for, you pretend to have him long yeah, term, but yeah. you agreed with him behind the scenes. You're only here for six months, but don't tell anyone else. I would have so obvious. Job, I think he's still putting himself out there to win the to get the job. I think he's yeah. made the team more organised. In fact, just speaking of it now, they have just had a shot on target. Oblak just saved. <laughs> It's a big improvement. <laughs> They've made him more organised. He's definitely made him more organised. I think his man management with players has been good. With Lingard, he's been absolutely spot on. Yeah, I think he's managed Ronaldo very well. I just think he's definitely got him, got him a little bit more structured. I think under Oli, they would say they'd go and beat City at the Etihad. Then they would go and lose at home to whoever. Yeah. yeah. I think here he's got a little bit more order. Yeah, they're not, you know, they're not, winning 4-0 they're not winning 5-0 but they're grinding out results which I think is often more important and that's why I had them to finish fourth originally yeah I think well this, the, the think, Spurs game was obviously a good example of that you know do I think they're at the best against Spurs no but you've got every so often we know the quality of Ronaldo that's a big factor having Ronaldo who at some point can just turn it on and, and, and get a world-class hat-trick that's something that I don't think Arsenal have. And maybe that is a case to say Man United could, could bridge that gap. Yeah, with, with Arsenal, obviously their main attackers are Smith Rowe, Saka and um, I can't pronounce his name, Odegaard. Yeah. Is that the best way of saying his name? Yeah, but yeah. them three behind are just the sort of, they have no fear, which I think is what works yeah. for them. It's also a lack They're of expectation one... to some degree or a lack of pressure. They're not in Europe. Yeah. There's no real, been you know. So young as well, yeah. Yeah, and I will make this proposition as well. Other than the Wolves game the other week, when in the season have they been one nil down and turned it round? Who Arsenal? Who Arsenal. Yeah, Arsenal. Other than Wolves, yeah, they've been one nil down and turned the game around. Yeah, I mean, I I, I certainly can't remember, and, and you know, I, I've kind of raised it myself many times, and it, it does seem. With Arsenal, it does tend to show in the bigger games. I do think a little bit of inexperience, maybe some degree to Arteta, but there is a little bit of naivety. You do cut, you know, we know prime example that everyone will talk about is the, the Arsenal-Man City game. You know, Arsenal put in one of the best performances, you know, in a 60-minute period that they've probably done in the last five to 10 years. And yet you see that, you know, the Xhaka, the foul to give away the pen, then the red card, Yes, maybe City got a little bit fortunate, but the naivety of that squad to do that and throw away potentially one of their biggest wins, you know, in years, just shows that little lack of experience, in my opinion. And I think again, that's a weakness as, as to why maybe Arsenal might just drop off as we, as we kind of see the season out. Yeah, absolutely. It's that's it. I mean, the City game. I think people were a bit under the illusion here. Yeah, we played well, but. Let's be honest, City were far superior. You know, the possession was higher. Everything was much more in their favour. We we gave them a game, but, you know, we still don't have that out-and-out striker. I think Lacazette fits the system well, so we don't need an out-and-out striker. But it, I think we just lack that ruthlessness. You know, I yeah. can't see us... You know, I just when we go 1-0 down, I just see the heads drop. Other than Walls, which was very, very, you know, deserved in the end. I just don't see it. And if you're going to allow that mentality, if we go one behind tomorrow, we go one behind away to Spurs, are they going to win? And I honestly, I honestly can't recall other than that Wolves game when they went one 0 down this season and turned it round. 
I haven't seen it. I don't think they've even done it. And I don't even think people have been talking about that. But most of that is because they're a young squad. Yeah, They'll look think, at, yeah, the lack of experience is a little bit of a factor. Yeah, they're young and it will take time, but they'll learn from that. They've already improved on last year massively. Yeah. So it's only, only up from here. But the fans are putting unnecessary pressure on them already. That's the problem. However, if we're talking about top four, is there anyone else who can sneak in there or is it simply just Arsenal United? Because you've got Spurs. Spurs have got a few games in hand, but they're still, well, they haven't got a game in hand on Arsenal and they're six games behind. Uh, six points behind, sorry. Um, then you've got Wolves, West Ham. They're three games ahead and they're five, three points behind. Is there any chance for them three? Because I, I, I don't think Wolves are. Wolves, I think, have been brilliant defensively this season and just haven't scored enough. But I don't see them putting on a run where they'll go and win the next six games and then put them in proper contention. Wolves, West Ham, I think... Yeah, go on, what the, you no, I was just going to say, Wolves, do I think they can get top four? Probably not. But they have shown moments throughout the season. And even I remember very, very early on, I think there was a period, probably the first within the first five games in the season, where Wolves would, would dominate games. Their XG, I think, was up. But I believe yeah. their XG early on in the season was, was up there, you know, in the top five. And the way they play, some of the experience, Ruben Neves, I, th- I think, is one of the most underrated players in the Prem. They've got, they have got ability. You know, you look through the squad, even the keeper, you've, you've got Cody as centre-back, you've got Neves in the middle, Poden, you know, Jimenez. You, there's, there's a lot of quality in Wolves. And I do think there's something to be said. Top four, yes, bit of a push. But I can see Wolves with a little bit more consistency really pushing those European spots again. Um, but back to the point: Do I think they can push for top four this season? I think it's a little, you know, a bit of a bridge too far. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And probably looking at those two Arsenal games, really, that that's probably what's cost them completely for that. Yeah, I think. Yeah. I think. I believe Spurs are in with a shout. I think Conte's given them the kick up the backside that they need and I think they'll definitely be up there I don't believe West Ham will I think there's too much hype around them I think if you look at David Moyes as a manager in history you know he's never won a major trophy because every time he gets to that finish line he can't quite deliver I'm not sure what that is but I think also he's made West Ham a better team I think he was the right appointment for them so they need to understand that it would be a disappointment to not finish fourth you know I I think there's a lot of things they need to improve on to ha- perhaps get over the line, but they shouldn't be too disappointed for where they are. But I so think with West Ham, I've just looked at their fixtures and their fixture list is very tough. They've got Spurs away, um, City at home, Arsenal at home, Chelsea away, and then they've even got Everton, Brentford, Burnley, Norwich all fighting relegation. Yeah, every one of them teams have got something kind of to play for. I think, I think apart from the last game of the season against Brent, uh, Brighton, they've got Chelsea who probably have the least to play for. Yeah, because they've pretty much got top three. But then that's technically a London derby. Although there's so many London derbies, it's not proper. Even yeah, even with nothing to play for, it's still it'll be a tough game, tough atmosphere. So I think yeah. I think West Ham with looking at those fixtures, I think it's just not quite going to happen. 
I think Europa, no. obviously, you know, that Europa would still arguably be a success for them. Yeah, yeah, that's what they'd expected for. That's what they've hoped for at the start of the season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's all they can ask for, really. I don't think they can expect much more. If they win Europa, though, they get the fourth spot, don't they? No, they get a fifth spot. So the fourth, the fourth spot got scrapped, I think, two years ago, something like that. Oh, that's fair. But enough. they are one nil down to Mr. <laughs> Mr. Europa in Sevilla. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, won't, you won't get a more experienced <laughs> Europa they machine are, than Sevilla. Yeah. But I would say that Sevilla are very patchy at best when it comes to playing big games. I know they've won the Europa League, but they're especially away from home, their their form isn't always the best. And yeah. I think I think West Ham will want it, but I think I don't know, I think they just lack that clinical. I think West Ham have a chance of getting through, but yeah, if you want to avoid a team in Europa, yeah, yeah. it's probably severe just based on their track record. It's like facing Real Madrid in the Champions League. Yeah. <laughs> They're and, the ones and, who win it. Yeah. And and, and look, one nil West Ham with the atmosphere, they'll fancy the They'll absolutely fancy themselves, but I think Severe in that tie just will will have, I think experience is a factor, and I think they'll just about probably get through with a draw on the night or, or something, something close like that. Yeah. Right, back to top four. Who's going to get top four then? Reese, since you're not saying Arsenal, are you picking United or are you going to Spurs? I'm going to say United. I'll give you my top four now. It'll be... I'm going to go City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, which is three out of the four in order, I think, that I originally had at the start of the season. I had City, United, Chelsea, Liverpool. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad, Jordan. I think, yeah, the the top three, I, I, I hope, I hope we get a brilliant last, you know, last minute title race. And just a quick point on that. Um, a lot of Liverpool fans have been dreaming of the uh, the noticeable last day fixture of, of Man City versus Villa. Now, you know, if, if football was a story uh, or a Hollywood movie, you'd probably see a Coutinho and Gerrard, uh, you know, win on the last day to, to, to win Liverpool the title. Um, deep down, I probably hope that doesn't happen. But I'm going to stick with my guns and say City, I think, will just edge it. Um, Liverpool, again... The gap now, a little bit too big for us to overcome. Um, I think Chilwell and, and Reese James, that lack of, has really cost us the title race. Um, in terms of, yes, yeah, third, I think we've got locked up pretty safely. Um, and of course, fourth for me, I do think Arsenal, with the momentum, with the games in hand, I think we'll just get above United and, and that'll be a massive win for Arteta. Okay, fair. Um, so I think we're all in agreement then. It is to win the league. Liverpool second, Chelsea third. And I think it's just you, Reese, who's not putting Arsenal fourth. The Arsenal fan himself. <laughs> yeah. It's not negativity, it's just general logic. It's just not, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. But that's okay. Like, if they finish fifth, that's an amazing achievement. If he gets yeah. fourth, he's manager of the season. Whether people like to admit that or not. Like, considering the criticism he's had and where how he started, he's it's a how, you know, he's improved that team massively. I can't think of a single bad player in that team at this moment in time. They're clicking well, but I just don't think there's enough experience or that 
oh, it's hard to say, but maybe that quality to just get them over that edge. Fair enough, fair enough. Right, to the main topic that's been taken over the last week, two weeks, and it's been dear to Jordan, <laughs> Abramovich selling the club. Now it's obviously being a bit forced with the whole political side of things. So what's your take on it, Jordan? Give us everything you want to say about it. Oh, I've got a lot. How long we got left? <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, it, it's been a crazy, turbulent, you know, I don't want to use the word exciting, maybe depressing few weeks as a Chelsea fan. Um, obviously, I, I, you know, I've, I've got to be realistic. I've been quite fortunate, you know, since my first game at six, you know, we've had a lot. We've had a very successful last 20 or so years under under Roman. Um, I think it, it almost feels, although it's not the way... It, you, you know, anyone would have wanted it to end. I think it's almost poetic that after we finally completed with, with, with obviously the, the Club World Cup, completing that full circle of officially winning every trophy there is to win, it, it feels almost poetic that as soon as straight after that, he's kind of forced to sell and, and the journey's looking like it's over. Um, so it's sad, but, but, you know, we've got to be realistic. You know, can winning Champions League and success last forever? I hope so. But we'll have to see kind of, of, of what owners take over. Um, I think, you know, there's been a few rumours this week, you know, potential Saudi group for, for kind of 2.7 billion. There's talks of and Nick Cannon. Americans, weren't it? Yeah. Yeah, a few Americans. So there's a lot of options. Obviously, all I can hope for as a Chelsea fan is that the situation gets resolved and and it feels like at the minute the, the players, you know, the staff, the managers and coaches are the ones suffering which I, I don't personally agree with. I, I think, you know, yes, Roman should have the sanctions and, and he should be the one kind of losing out, you know, whether it be financially. Do I think the fans and, you know, the, not being able to sell tickets and so on, I think ultimately, you know, the government or whoever is punishing the wrong people. Um, you know, a prime example of today, you know, the massive talking point today, you know, our initial proposal to say that the, the Middlesbrough game should be behind closed doors. Um, obviously, you know, as a Chelsea fan, I have to say, I, I think that proposal is completely ridiculous. I don't think any Chelsea fan wants to see that at all. Um, and I believe they have since kind of loosely retracted that statement, which is good. Um, yeah, for me, I briefly mentioned it earlier, the obvious solution here, obviously let the Middlesbrough fans in, sell the allocated amount of away team tickets to Chelsea fans, but simply give the ticket money raised either to Middlesbrough for doing so well in the cup or even better, you know, a charity that helps the, the victims of Ukraine or, or something along those lines. I think that's, that's win-win for everyone. There's no integrity issues, but ultimately it's not the fans and the players and, and the staff who could be out of jobs. They're not the ones who should be suffering. And um, so I think there's yeah. a big, it, it almost feels the incentives are a bit wrong at the minute and, and the government maybe is taking it out possibly unfairly. I feel like, yeah, I feel like obviously in Chelsea fan situation, it's sad to see for, if you just think about it for your own club, for myself, people who go to away days. So I found out with the Middlesbrough game, 500 to 600 tickets have been sold to Chelsea fans, but that was before the sanctions came in. Uh, okay. So there was, there's an extra, I think it's either 2,000 or 2,500, something like that, tickets that yeah. have been unsold because Chelsea aren't allowed to. Yeah. I do agree. I think the um, proposal by Chelsea was ridiculous considering 
one, you also get your own home fans anyway to the games. Yeah, yeah. There's still, so, an, there's still so, a home advantage, yeah. yeah. But the, sort of with the, yeah, with the, there's still the home advantage with Middlesbrough, but you can't say, because their reply can easily be, well, you get no home fans to the home games for Chelsea. Yeah. Which would be then even more suffering for the fans. Yeah. It, it is a bit of a sad sight to see for Chelsea. I know loads of people are going to sort of be joyous about it because it should benefit other clubs or yeah. they just don't like Chelsea. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, with, but when you've got the likes of Carragher and Neville saying their things last night where they were talking about different owners of the clubs. And how they should shouldn't be with all the sports washing they're talking about. I think it's a bit hypocritical of them because they're obviously talking from two clubs that haven't benefited from it and have actually it's gone against them. Yeah. Neville exactly with United yeah. and they're they're United are still spending the money, but they're going down in terms of yeah, and it, it, it feels like you know particularly the Carragher comments. I know it's certainly rolled up sort of Chelsea Twitter and united the fan base but the the comments of Carragher I, I think they're coming from a position where well Carragher himself you know isn't particularly the the kind of moral compass for for anyone but you know they're coming from clubs of, of backgrounds who have had you know historical success and they almost feel entitled that you know only Liverpool and, and maybe Man United you know they're entitled to success and privilege in signing players and and maybe the the balance you know with with City with with Chelsea and other clubs the balance has, you know, been upset a little bit. And I think maybe there's a bit of bitterness there, but ultimately you want, you want a bit of unbiased commentary, but at moments like this, you do kind of see potentially the kind of Liverpool and, and United true colours come out a little bit, um, which ultimately yeah, isn't, might, isn't good for anyone. Um, Reese, what, what's your take of the Chelsea situation so far? Uh, balance of both, really. I mean, I think... I think, you know, it's taken till now to start looking at ownership models when this should have been addressed when he first took over. We all know, you know, football's influence getting Putin in power, but that's another another story for another day. But I also understand the point of, yeah, fans, etc., are suffering. But also when you say about the whole sports watching thing, it's made the league more competitive. I know the money's not exactly come from innocent sources, but if them investments hadn't happened it would have just been United and it'd probably still be United and probably Liverpool to this day, maybe even Arsenal flirting around there. So it's made the league more competitive. Um, but of course the ownership model thing should have been looked at 20 years ago. Yeah. Where does Scott, you know, they'll be knocking on Newcastle's door next and, and maybe cities, you know, where does, where does it end? You know, football oftentimes in particularly in the last few weeks, football has almost become a bit of a political pawn. And fundamentally, us as fans, lifelong fans, we shouldn't be worrying about politics. All we should end up doing is going, you know, on Saturday every week to support our club and we want the best for our club. We shouldn't have to be having political debates. Um, and, and hopefully the situation for everyone gets resolved. I'm sure rival fans in the meantime will, will obviously enjoy the, the various memes and stories of, of Chelsea being taken over. Um, but from my side and, and Chelsea fans' side, we can only hope that maybe the rich Saudis come in and... and we end up with a richer owner. I think that would be a, a kind of ironic twist on the on the story in the end. Right then, I think we're coming to a time where we end our episode. So thank you for listening and I hope again you'll tune in next week.
Like, comment, and Thank subscribe. You. you know the drill.